Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Coming up on today's episode, we look back at the end of year interviews and what it all means for the Jets heading into the offseason. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, good to be back at it here and hope you guys are having a fantastic start to the month of May. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki will be stopping by later on in the episode. Hopefully, because his Wi-Fi is down right now. So I'm going to hold the fort, and hopefully Tice can make his way back. Because, yeah, as you might have guessed, there is plenty to get to following the end of the year interviews and meetings between players, coaches, GM, and the media over the weekend. So while Tyson is not here, I want to get right into it here. And you know what? (laughs) No offense, Tyson, but I was going to be taking the reins. In the first half of this episode anyway, because I, just like I would say the majority of Jets Nation, am feeling pretty fired and riled up over what we saw take place over the weekend. And to me, it all starts with one word. And it's interesting, too, because in the previous season for the Jets, I thought, you know, one word really defined who that club was. And while they failed to make the playoffs in spectacular fashion, you know, to me, the word that defined the Winnipeg Jets last year was accountability. And the fact that there was absolutely no accountability in the entire organization for the team's struggles that year. Fast forward one season, a playoff appearance, a playoff victory, but the shortest trip to the postseason out of any of the NHL's playoff clubs. One word defines this organization yet again. It's another A word, but I'm not going accountability this time. Because what we saw over the weekend, the one word that defines the Winnipeg Jets right now is arrogance. This is the most arrogant club in the entire NHL. And what's even more upsetting about that, it is absolutely undeserved arrogance that permeates the entire Winnipeg Jets organization. I was absolutely blown away, sickened, disgusted, mystified at what we saw and what we heard from first the players, but then I think even more importantly and ultimately, the general manager, 
of the hockey club. We witnessed, once Kevin Sheveldayoff was done speaking on Sunday afternoon, 45 minutes of the most pompous, arrogant, supercilious, high and mighty talk that you would ever expect to hear from somebody that runs the operations for a professional sports league that we will ever, ever see. I mean, not unveiling one iota of your plan to the public and to your paying public who you're trying to motivate to commit tons of money on an upcoming ticket drive, not unveiling one sniff of what you want to do this offseason, but not only doing that, but essentially speaking from the rooftops as to how successful and fantastic the rain has been here in Winnipeg over the last several years since this club came back in version 2.0. Ah, playoff runs in five of six seasons, a core that makes it to the big dance more often than not. Everything's been great here in Winnipeg. We draft, not only do we draft players, but we develop them as well. And we retain and sign those players. And as you can see, everything has been absolutely fantastic over the last several seasons. Combative with the media? Pushing back on some of the definitions of success? And then once again, speaking down to the fan base, just like what we saw happened at the trade deadline a few months back when uh, you know it wasn't fantasy hockey that the Jets GM was trying to navigate his way through it's it's you know it's a little bit more difficult and complex than what you might think for your average joe fan out there we saw that same level of arrogance and entitlement continue as chevy spoke to them stepped up to the mic and spoke with the media there and i don't know i really don't know how any fan can feel overly confident about the direction of this organization not just for this upcoming season but for for years to come now because it's also become quite evident by the words of the GM that the Winnipeg Jets are not only arrogant and entitled, but they are completely okay with mediocrity. This was a celebration of mediocrity that we saw over the weekend from the Winnipeg Jets. And I, I just I, I thought this was an organization that would set a higher standard for themselves. But unfortunately, that's where this club seems to find themselves in. I mean, that that is about as close as you will ever hear a team in any sport say, we're just happy with getting to the postseason. We're just happy with two games of that playoff revenue, and we're going to be just fine for the next half decade. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's the core that you've had for the past several seasons, by the way, with very little outside of one season playoff success, that you're just happy to find yourselves back into the main dance for the most part, year after year after year. I don't know where the Winnipeg Jets go from here. The upsetting part is, if you had to put money down on it, I I don't think it's going anywhere on an upwards trajectory anytime soon. And what's really terrifying to me, listening to Chevy speak on Sunday afternoon, is that it sounded pretty similar to a couple other organizations that we've heard from over the last, let's say, 12 to 24 months. And I speak, unfortunately, from experience on this one. But the level of arrogance and high and mightiness sounded a whole lot like the Philadelphia Flyers have sounded for the past two years. 
And you take one look at that roster, and you can see where that gets you really quick. But it also sounded a lot similar to, again, unfortunately, to what we see out there in Vancouver. With a Canucks team that failed to face reality and continued to try to push and push and push with a core that wasn't anywhere near contending with the best of the best in the NHL, despite everything staring them right in the face, it was push the public aside. We're the ones that know best. Just lap up the tickets and sit in the seats. We'll figure out the rest, okay? It was just unbelievable. Hollowness. Like Ken Weeb said, 5,500 words were essentially spoken by the GM on Sunday afternoon. And we didn't get a lick of what this team has upcoming. And and I don't even want to hear that, well, no GM gives up their plans for the upcoming offseason. Why why would you do that in a press conference at the end of the year? Nobody was asking for specific moves and trades that were going to be made. But how difficult is it to just sit up there and say, look, this past season was a disappointment in the fact that we couldn't win a playoff round. We couldn't go deep in the playoffs with a team that I felt like was you know, the foundation for a cup contender. Like I said, back at the trade deadline, we're going to find a way to get better this upcoming off season. We're going to get faster. Perhaps we're going to get bigger. Perhaps we're going to find a way to bring in new talent to supplement the core that we have here. And we're going to make a run of this. How hard is it to say that or veer one direction or go this way or go that say anything of value instead of the word salad, we get trotted out time after time after time. We all know salads have no calories in it. Well, neither did Chevy's 45-minute speech to the media on Sunday afternoon. There's not a lot of hope right now. And that's upsetting because there's some good pieces here in Winnipeg. But man, oh man, the guy that's running the show right now doesn't seem to have a clue as to how to get this team over the hump. Because if you listen to him, everything's just fine. This team's got the pieces. And this was a positive year. It was a positive year to squeak into the playoffs on the penultimate game of the regular season and then have your head coach basically denounce your entire team for failing to show up in a season elimination game. That's a step in the right direction. It's sad because he might be right, but the organization legitimately views that as a step in the right direction. And then to top it all off, when you just think it couldn't get any worse, not only does the GM come out and, again, speak in arrogance for extended, extended amounts of time, but the team itself feels like the next best step in terms of a PR move the following day is to cut the knees out from your head coach and attack him in an email PR release Again, talking about what was, for the most part, a positive, successful season for the team. There was plenty of pushback, said the release. It's not a coincidence, right? Plenty of pushback from this team in their series against the Vegas Golden Knights, including the Game 1 victory. Well, newsflash, you can't push back winning Game 1 because there's been no adversity thrown your way so far. The second there was, what did this team do? What they always do, they folded like a $10 lawn chair that you get at Walmart that's been left out all winter long, and my fat ass sits in it, and it breaks the first time it feels anything come May 1st. Again, embarrassing. And 
If I'm Rick Bonus, I got no. Hey, Rick, you've earned retirement, man. Don't don't deal with this group one more time. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth the problems that you're going to have to deal with here, which he very clearly put forth to the rest of the world after game five there. It, it was just, again, lowbrow from this team. But unfortunately, after what we saw through the playoffs, trade deadline over the weekend, that, that kind of seems to be where this team is trending right now. And it's really, really upsetting. But then you have the players speaking to the mic. And I'll tell you what, once you heard what happened on Sunday – kind of puts what took place on Saturday and puts that into a very easily definable light, doesn't it? Because that level of entitlement and arrogance at the top of the organization is right there at the bottom because the players showed for the first time in two weeks a level of fight and determination and pushback. That was the hardest they, that, that was the most effort they've thrown out there since game one. And it was done so because the coach had the audacity to call them out and, and call what he saw and what we all saw in that game five against Vegas and that the team basically laid down and died. Then you watch Boston play, you watch Florida play, you watch Tampa, Toronto, Seattle, Colorado, all these teams. If they would have played the Winnipeg Jets, that, that, those series would have been over in five as well. But all of those teams, all of those teams would have beat the Jets in five. There's not a single team in the postseason that would have found themselves in a game six scenario against Winnipeg. And all of them are dealing with injuries as well, by the way. Injuries and different adversities that they've had to overcome. But if you listen to some people here in Winnipeg, it's only the Jets that have to find these things to overcome. Only they're the ones that have injuries that they have to deal with. How can you win a game when you have guys down? Well, <laughs> there's a few other teams out there that are finding a way right now. And they're doing so with some pretty significant injuries as well. But heaven, lo and behold, we ever criticize one of the players on this team for pulling a no-show in a game five against Vegas. We'll forget the no-show game six against St. Louis by the same core. And then the no-show by the same group, all of the entirety of last season as well. But why would the players feel any different? The GM's invincible. So are they, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's maddening to me that, that this is where we're at, you know, watching this Winnipeg Jets team. And it shouldn't be this way. Yeah, I never thought it would be this way, but that's where we are right now. Where the players, now with their third different head coach in a little over a year and a half, have basically shown that they're unwilling to answer to anybody. You had one quit. You had another one leave after a couple of months. And then the third one, call them out like we haven't seen a coach call out his team in quite some time in the postseason. And yet it's the players who are the ones that, you know, we feel aggrieved at the situation here. Kyle Connor was the only Jet to say, I could have been better. The only Jet, if you could believe that. And even at that point, he said it was uncalled for what the head coach did after the game there. Everybody else on that team didn't make one peep about we could have been better. We should have done more. We were the ones that were at fault here. A lot of I, 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 coaches fault, coaches fault, coaches fault. It's really upsetting. Rebuild, reload, retool, whatever RE word you want to use doesn't really matter to me. There quite evidently needs to be a house cleaning here in Winnipeg if this team ever wants to take a legitimate step forward. 
But if you gauge the temperature of that press conference and you read the words, read between the lines, all that, we are not getting that anytime soon, if if ever. Until it's officially forced on this team, we're not going to get any of that. And there could be an opportunity to make this a pretty interesting special hockey club going into next season. And I think one that the majority of the fan base would get behind, but that's not what we heard on Saturday and Sunday there. And it puts and, and casts some real doubt as to the quote unquote most interesting offseason in team history line is actually going to come to fruition here because we've heard that line for the previous three years. And there's been very little, if any, change in this organization. And if they didn't make the moves before, then why start now? So a lot of the times you'll see some of these year-end interviews and, and exit interviews and things like that provide a little bit of optimism and hope for the upcoming offseason and the upcoming regular season and maybe even the upcoming postseason as well. That That's, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the opposite of optimism right there. That was a splash of cold water and a smack to the face of a lot of Jets Nation there. And it's going to take some time for this team to build back that level of trust because you cannot win in the NHL and you cannot build a continued, sustained, successful winner without having a level of trust and humility with your paying fan base. And especially when you're a team that's finished 14th, 19th, 14th, 20th in the league the last four years and you're 20th in the NHL on playoff wins since 2012. And you're going to talk about we're one of the better run teams in the league. This core can get things done. Well, guess what? The Seattle Kraken just about caught up with you in terms of playoff wins over the last five years. And you want to talk about playoff success and how this team is going to find a way through. And that this was a step in the right direction. Unbelievable. But I see Tyson's Wi-Fi is back. So I guess that's a, Sliver of good news here. Tyson, CJOB, Tyson Rowicki, how are we doing today? That was very well done. It was and, okay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, just uh, there's not too much to add on it. Otherwise, what do you expect going into this offseason, right? You like the one guy in the, your whole organization that's showing any so- sort of self awareness, any sort of accountability is the one that's being undermined throughout this whole process of this exit interview. And the, and the one person that the fan base agrees with most is being undermined. Like That just shows you the level of disconnect that's, that's there between this organization and their fan base. And where you, you mentioned it too. If you, we talked about this on the last episode. If you came in with that concise plan, where you and like you said, no one's asking you to say, oh, we're trading Shifley to Detroit. We're, we're buying out. We, like, no one's saying that. You're just saying just to at least have some sort of lack of accountability again. And just to say, hey, you know what? I, I, I hitched my wagon to this group here. It didn't work out. Some, something's got to give. Like, e- even something like that. That's all you have to say. And then just, just for this total nonchalant, melancholy-faced approach to it is just so baffling. And, it just, and it's terrifying, right? Like, like you said, you're going to be ending up with team, with guys who – are on decent contracts, extended contracts, because that's the only way you can get guys to stay in Winnipeg. And you, you don't want to focus on building a winning culture to get people to stay. You just want to have people stay. And now you're getting up after this season where th- three of your top players are on have one year left. And you think, like, you honestly think that those guys are chomping at the bit to resign right now? They're not. 
they're not. And then you're going to, you, you want to expect to run it back for a year and then hope that you can convince them. Good, good luck. That's all like good luck with that Chevy. And it's just, it's insane. Just the amount of verbal diarrhea that came, that came out in that press conference. Like it's just, it was just n- nothing. Nothing. Uh, and and to, to get like, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the quote unquote plan thing. Because there were there that that might have been where people were a little bit split on. Like there was a lot of people saying, "Well, like you don't unveil your plan because the off season is just starting or hasn't started yet, and you don't want to give this and that away and the yada yada yada." But like, man, did you did you? I know you were at work today. Did you catch the Calgary Flames press conference? I was no, I wasn't able to. Oh, by the way, the Calgary Flames finished with two points less than the Jets and and one less playoff win, and they fired their GM and their head coach. So just to let you know, you know, in other areas of the NHL, um, some of the standards that are being set league-wide are a little bit different here than in Winnipeg. But in Calgary, they stepped up to the mic there. Maloney did. And he wasn't even really necessarily, like, specifically asked about the plan and this and that. But he just flat out said, look, we're going to get faster this upcoming offseason. We're going to have to make some some moves. We're going to have to change up the composition of our team a little bit, but we like a lot of the talent that we have here. We're hoping to bounce back under a new coach at a new GM. He, that, that's really not saying a whole, you know what I mean? But like, it's yeah. like, okay, all right. Like we're going to make some moves. We want to play a bit of a different style here. Like that's all you need to do. Like anything, anything, anything at all. <laughs> It's mind blowing to me how the feeling in the organization is that they can get away with saying nothing, and then oh, by the way, ticket drive, buy tickets, or else the team's heading out to Houston next year. Like there's just there is a disconnect from reality, is is what we're seeing there right now. And again, I don't think people were asking for a whole lot. It was just, are we going to try for the playoffs next year? And if that's the case, what's what's kind of the overarching vision of that? Is there going to have to be some moves made? Are some guys that have been here for seven plus years going to be on the way? Right? Like, it's just, just give something. You have to unveil a little bit. And in any, in any industry, in any company, if you're the, if you're the public speaking face of an entity, you have to, if you want any level of public support, give them a tiny peek behind the curtain and provide some clarity and honesty and, and a vision. And and that's really never been done here. I, I might say ever by the GM. Like I, I don't know if that's other than draft and develop since they first came here. Maybe that's the only thing. But to 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 shy away from that, and then to, like throwing the barb at Murata Tej, don't let facts get in the way of a good story. Shut. What are you doing? Like what? Like just reeking of arrogance once again there. And, you know, people have been kind of hard on the media in this city, saying they they aren't tough enough at times, or maybe they're too tough at times, like that whole thing. It's pretty rare to have the media as a collective entity all kind of go after the GM and, and speak in a negative way about the organization like they are right now. Uh, that We have not seen that at any any point since the Jets came back to Winnipeg here. Yet it was pretty unified, the response, from I think both the fan base and the media, from what we saw over there on the weekend. And yeah, I mean, 
you, you just you never want to be a fan of a team that's okay with okay. And that's what the Winnipeg Jets are right now. Like they just they they seem like just squeaking in and doing the whole, well, once you get in and anybody has a chance sort of a thing. They they don't really though. <laughs> like it's yeah, I guess like one in a million is a chance. But like, do you not do you not want to win? Is that not the whole point of having a team is to try to win this thing? And I think it's also evident by some of the half measures that we've seen over the last several seasons that hey, just just getting in's okay. Right? Like we'll we'll get a little bit of extra money from this playoff revenue and and that's gonna be all right from now. And that's that's a tough, tough spot to be in, man. And we've seen teams go through some dark times because they ventured down that path as opposed to having an established clear direction and vision for the team. And I, I really wonder, Tyson, I, I mean, happy to be wrong on this, would, would love to be wrong on this. But I think there's a legitimate chance that 95% of this team is back next season and they make one more ill-fated run and we see three or four guys leave as free agents and give this club absolutely nothing. And this team is left in the wilderness a year or two, maybe later than they could have been if they wanted to kind of kickstart a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I really do think there's a more than legitimate chance that we see Shifley, Wheeler, Hellebuck, name your guy up and down the lineup outside of Dubois, which we'll get to in just a sec. But we see the main group of this team back one more time for a dollar store version of the last dance. And the last few years have been any indication. I don't think it's going to end up the same way that the Chicago Bulls last dance ended up in Utah. And if that happens, that leads to a nuclear wasteland of your team's future. You you are in hell for the next however many years. Unless you win the cup. Right. And... Do we do? Does anyone in this city really have faith in that happening? Unless major, major moves are made to to implement the core, and yeah. even, and even then, what kind of major, major moves are you going to make? Where and, and, and on top of it too, like to to lean back on what happened in twenty eighteen, like oh, we were one of the best teams in twenty eighteen. We were so close in twenty eighteen. That was five freaking years ago, man. That is ages in pro sports. This is not twenty eighteen. It is halfway through 2023 almost. 24 is going to be there right away. You're talking about over half a decade. Half a decade. You've done nothing since then. Well, you want to hang a banner that says we won nine playoff games in 2018? Woohoo! <laughs> like, what, what, what are we doing here? To, to live in the past like that, it, it's, it's, it's a, again, a disconnect from reality. And yeah, I, 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 I do wonder, I really do wonder what the main goal is this off season, because I think to the average person, it would be, you know, what is the likelihood of Hellebuck Shifley Dubois resigning here? And then we make our decision based off of that. I think that that's kind of the, I think the, the average go-to, but it, it doesn't seem like they're leaning that way whatsoever. And I'm I'm just not going to fall victim again to we've got the most exciting, interesting offseason in Jets history line once again. Because that was supposed to happen last year after there was a mutiny on the team, by the way. And we, we saw nothing happen. So I don't know why we would expect anything different this time around. I'm, I'm not going to be fooled again, but 
I, I just don't know why we'd expect major change when we didn't see major change last year and the year before that and then the year before that as well. Yeah, and then you, you even look at some of these player interviews too and like you don't want to pin certain a certain image on certain guys, but you hear Morrissey and Lowry chime in that was saying upsetting, that, yeah. chime in saying, Hey, that was uncalled for. Like these issues run a lot deeper than I think people think. And you know that there's a there's a couple reports that were coming out after the season ended too that the team still viewed Blake Wheeler as the captain, regardless of him getting stripped. And so already, like that's going back to the beginning of the season. There's almost sort of a disconnect between the players and coach and the coach and organization where this guy is still viewed as a leader, but he stripped his C from him in the locker room. He's the guy that the players are going to, and just you like, that's where this all just stems from. It's just too, it's too long of the same leadership core putting in whatever beliefs, whatever. Well, they, they, they run things. Right, yeah. like they, and then why wouldn't they? Right, like Wheeler and Shifley have seen four different head coaches. They've not. There's been literally nothing negative that's happened to them in that time. They keep getting their twenty minutes a night. Well, like, of course we run things. Like, why wouldn't we think that? You go back to Paul Maurice saying, "I don't show Kyle Connor tape defensively." He <laughs> look what we have now on our hands: the worst defensive winger in all of hockey. Right. This, this team has been run by the players for way too long, and you're seeing the negative effects of that. And this is something I said well, well into last year in terms of how things could be changed around here. But it, it there was a lot of hurt that went along with it, and I, I know there hasn't been a ton of playoff success that, that's come with it. But the Minnesota Wild bit the bullet in a big way and said, look, we don't like the way things are looking out here. And we're gonna we're gonna eat dead cap hits like nobody's seen before, and they ship Parise and Suter out, but it completely changed the complexion of that organization, did it not? I know it hasn't worked out perfectly well just yet, but that is at, at the very least an exciting physical team that doesn't look like the slow plodding, boring Minnesota Wild that we've been accustomed to for so long there, and that's because the GM was willing to bite the bullet, make some aggressive potentially controversial moves to mold the team in his vision. And that's, I still maintain what needs to happen here in Winnipeg, where even if it comes at a bit of a loss, whether it's a buyout for Wheeler, retain money, whether you have to eat a little bit on a potential return for a Mark Shifley trade, this team is not going anywhere until the heart and the core of this group is altered in some significant way. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the removal of the C, I think, was a temporary boost to things, but it completely deteriorated since the calendar flipped over to January. And the fact that the players, too, said, you know, if Bones has a problem, he should be saying it to us behind closed doors is laughable to me because you're telling me you were this oblivious to the fact that for three or four months you've been playing like that is just is crazy. And again, no self-awareness, no reflection for the majority of the group there, right? Nobody wants sitting there and thinking instead of, you know, why why are you calling me out? Like, this is unfair. Why is this happening? Not one player really sat back and said, you know, why did Bones say that? Like, is do we need to be better? Like, is, is there more that we have to give? Not There wasn't one 
not and I, like I don't want to again like you kind of said throw shade at Morrissey Lowry. You know Lowry showed up for the entire playoff series, but, but like I was like just just not even one guy that sat there and said we got to be better. It's crazy, crazy. Five games, you drop four straight in a series, and not one guy says this isn't good enough. Instead, it was woe was me. The coach got upset for 45 seconds after our season ended. It's so hard making the playoffs. It's so hard. Like, you, do, you, do you see Colorado and Boston? Do you see their message? Like, they're not just like, well, you know what? We had a we had a great regular season. Like, those guys are pissed that they lost. Like, it looks like they're, they're crying. They're crying on the ice. Yeah, it's like some of them can't even get up, right? And then I mean. To be fair, Colorado and Boston are in kind of a different spot. So, like, right, but, but I, I, get what, I get what you're saying. I, I don't, yeah, like, I, even if you don't use them per se, right, and, and look at some of the other series that we've seen so far, I mean, you can't say, even though Minnesota did what Minnesota sports teams does, and they like Minnesota brought it, and like, that was a close, tight series against the Dallas Stars, right? And even if Seattle would have. Even if Seattle would have lost to to Colorado there, like they battled their asses off so hard. It's I'm sorry, it's just night and day. Every other playoff series compared to the one we saw between Winnipeg and Vegas. And just not one moment of self-reflection by anybody that that had skates on. It, it just 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 wild to me. I will I will defend the players in this regard though. Um there were a lot of people upset that I mean, pretty much everybody on the team said they didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. <laughs> I, I know, like the main guys were kind of asked about that, but pretty much everybody, you know, with with uh, a, a pretty sizable spot on that roster was asked, "Would you be willing to be a part of a rebuild?" And they pretty much all said no. And for the people that were upset by that, what the hell are they supposed to say? <laughs> right? Like you're essentially you're asking a, a professional player. Um, if the team decides to suck and not win any games for the next two years, do you want to be a part of that? <laughs> oh no! Oh, okay, that's weird. I, I thought I thought you would have. I thought you liked this city. Of, co- of course, these guys are going to say that. <laughs> you know, like, I, I and even if they did, which they're not, like I, I don't think you'd see a parade of trade requests necessarily. Like these guys are going to show up. You're not going to forego six, seven million dollars, right? But it was kind of funny to me seeing a lot of people. How could they? Like, why would you say you wouldn't want to be a part of a rebuild here? Yeah, that's that's generally what pro athletes do, right? Like, you go ask guys that are part of a rebuild right now. They're probably like, "Why would I want to keep doing this? Yeah. Like, I want to win. I want to make money and win hockey games." So that, like, the, yeah, that was just kind of funny. I, I I don't begrudge any of the players saying that they didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, especially for the guys that are in their late twenties, early thirties that know like, I might only have four or five years left. So yeah. I don't want to be a part of a rebuild that guarantees I will never win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> I I got a scenario for you. Let's say right. let's say let's say Bones says I'm done. I'm fed up with this. I I don't like where I don't like the direction we're going in. I'm just going to retire. What what kind of what kind of public image do you think comes from that? And then where do you think you go from there? Like you just hire Scott O'Neill and status quo again? Yep. yep. That's what the that's what the team would do. I'm not saying it's the right thing. It would be a it would be a catastrophe of epic proportions to have two coaches quit on the team because they're sick and tired of the way the players are running. Right? Like, I mean, again, you can't operate a franchise like that. But the Jets seem content to do that. So, yeah, to answer your question, 
I do think it would be Scott O'Neill stepping up to the head coaching spot. And yep, status quo away we go for the rest of the the off season and regular season. But I do I do think we see Bones. I think no matter what happens, stay and coach this team for another year. I just hope for his sake because he was the only one willing to speak the truth and be honest and realistic about the club. I hope for his sake he gets rewarded with you know consistent effort and, and success all season long. Yeah, I, it's, I just feel bad for him in this whole thing, just because you're you're made to look like the scapegoat by this whole organization. Well, they, they made him look like a fool. Yeah, not even the scapegoat. Scapegoat, whatever. He could probably, do, but like the players come out and basically go at him. The GM doesn't support him, and then the team does that low blow move in the in, in the PR release. He wasn't even supposed like, to speak on Saturday either. Bonus. Yeah. Right. Right. He wasn't scheduled to. And from all the comments that came out, it almost, almost was a necessity for him to go out there and at least try to save a little bit of face for himself. But, I mean, I, I like that he stuck to his guns a little bit for the most part, too. Yep. Yep. Don't apologize. Because he did nothing wrong. He just said what we all saw out there. So if you don't like it, step up. <laughs> you don't like it, then don't play like that. It's really that simple. And it's unfortunate, too, because... Again, I, and I it's funny because I on on Winnipeg Sports Talk last week I said this is the second time we've seen a playoff meltdown in a season elimination game in epic fashion by the Jets. And Hustler reminded me, actually, no, this was the third time because in the sweep against Montreal, they didn't show up too much in that game either. It was Logan Stanley's ungodly two goal night against Carey Price that kept it from being a complete right. You know what I mean? Like this. You can make the case there's been three even the postseason flameouts where the team didn't show up. You can even throw in that flame series. I mean, I know there's injuries there, but yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that necessarily. I, to me, it's St. Louis and Vegas. You know, yeah. the Montreal one was like, what a weird, what a weird playoffs that was. That that just that to me that just that never happened. Montreal going to the cup that never happened. There was no way that was actually real. Um, but unfortunately, the, the Vegas thing was real. And um, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the fallout's going to be from that. Because, I, I mean, I guess to try to be positive, somewhat, we're all going to forget about this press conference if the right moves are made and we do see significant change, right? So we'll have to wait and see if that's going to take place. Unfortunately, myself and I think a lot of Jets Nation is in the boat of um, hoping it's going to happen, but not holding my breath because I don't feel like passing out. So... We'll see what takes place over the next couple of months. Um, but if there is going to be change, maybe it's forecasted by a pretty solid NHL insider. And uh, Tyson, Frank Saravalli, I believe, unveiled his initial off-season trade bait board a few days ago. Is that correct? And uh, yeah, surprise, surprise, a couple of Winnipeg Jets found themselves on it. There is, and to no surprise. I mean, it, honestly, I let me guess. Surprised let, me guess. let me guess. Let me guess. Can I guess the first one? Go for it. Adam Lowry. No. <laughs> okay, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm honestly surprised he's not ranked higher. You got good old Pierre-Luc Dubois at number seven. And uh, yeah. He'll be at number seven of the NHL trade bait board. And one other Winnipeg Jet made it, correct? Correct. At number 19, Logan Stanley, which I think a lot of people kind of see the writings on the wall there right like yeah I, I i forgot about that to be honest <laughs> like 
there's so much else that's been going on. It's like, oh yeah, Stanley requested a trade a little while back. Everything's okay with the organization. Um, so there's two things with this because again, we've got a lot of offseason to go to. We've got a lot of time before the, the draft gets underway, let alone everything else. So we're not going to spend like a ton of time on all the scenarios and stuff like this. But two things interesting to me there. One, like you mentioned, Dubois only being seven is kind of like it. Really? There's six more likely players that are going to be moved. You know, maybe it's semantics with the number being what it is, but like that right away is like, whoa, wow. Um, but I think interesting as well is no other would have picked Jets make the list for now. So, you know, take, yeah, for now, take that for what it's worth on May 1st here at 9 55 PM. That could, could change pretty quickly here, but uh, there's a handful of guys with one year left on their deal in Winnipeg. They were not on that list and there's a decent amount of guys with two years left and they are not on that list as well. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, look, Mark Shifley was on that list last year, I would assume. And um, despite some potential interest, nothing took place there. Blake Wheeler was on that list last year. And uh, despite interest again as well. Uh, Pretty high up too, if I recall. Correct, yeah. Yeah, like maybe maybe right around where Dubois is right now. Um, Let's quickly go with the two Jets that are on it, though. Uh, Then let's start with the big one, PLD. Moved? Yeah. I'd be shocked. Like even even with the run it back, all that stuff, he doesn't want to be here. Like it's, it's plain. It's <laughs> like really, it's, yeah. It's, he doesn't want to be here. He doesn't really care. Get him. Like I, I don't. Even with how, with how high his potential is at, as a top six center, for, for you to just bring back like some more baggage coming into the season, another distraction. Like it's just, and and that's also what scares me too with this team. Just kind of going on a bit of a tangent here is just how many guys have the one-year deals and you have that thought with after some of the play that you've seen last year how much of it is just going to be i'm going to pad my numbers and yeah like it's all all about my stats right right normally you don't make that assumption about players because but from what we've seen from these guys the past couple years it's a worthwhile question it's worthwhile to bring that up because you who knows? Do you just want guys who are in there for their own paychecks and trying to trying to benefit themselves more than the team? Like that's where it comes in here. And I think Dubois has a clear as a clear path with that if he stays here because he's made to be pretty open that he doesn't want to be here. Yeah, I, what, I think, guy, I, what guy from two two years away from unrestricted free agency says that being an unrestricted free agent means a lot to me? Like it's just like it's just crazy to think that there's even any kind of semblance that this guy wants to be here. So if he doesn't want to be here, then get rid of him. I think I think that's it. Like we can we can go as in depth as we want. He does not want to be here. That 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 cannot be tolerated here in Winnipeg anymore. Like too long it's been until you're forced to make a move, make a move on some of these guys. But. I, I just think, and you know what? I think Buffalo is a great example of this. And I mean, talk about a team that stared, <laughs> stared, stared the abyss in the face. But like Jack Eichel doesn't want to be here. Bye, Sam Reinhart. See ya. Anybody else? Anybody else want to step up? Wrist aligning. Holy crap! We're getting a first from the Flyers. Well, that's a different one. But you know what I mean? Like Buffalo said, "Look, we suck, but we're not just because you're talented doesn't mean we're going to keep you on here." And they made the moves. They brought in guys that legitimately want to be there now. 
they are going to be one of the trendiest teams to make a big, big run next season. And it's all because of that specific fact, I believe. And yeah, PLD just, hey, you don't want to be here? That's fine. Just let us know. Cool. We'll move you on. Uh, you want to go to Montreal? Don't care. Highest bidder gets you. Yeah. That's how the Winnipeg Jets should should take this here. If it, if they, if it is Montreal, then great. Then we save ourselves the whole UFA song and dance there. But if Montreal does not have the best trade package, then he does not go there. It is that simple. I don't even entertain trying to do what's best for the player in this situation. It's all about what's best for the team. And, and Dubois is not going to be a part of that. And, and the most shocking part with him, Tyson, to me, and we said this last week in one of our episodes, I don't know how many Jets fans would sign him to a seven or an eight-year deal if he agreed yeah. to that right now which is like, you never would have dreamed of that before the season started, but it just feels like we've reached a point of no return here where team player and fan base are all like, yeah, it's, it's time to go. It's, it's time to go our separate ways here. It'd be fascinating to see what the return is going to be on that trade. And again, if the jets try to go futures based or almost player in player out, you know what I mean? Like what, what, what is going to be the main impetus in terms of what the ask is going to be for the Jets? Because I think either way, they're going to be able to get some pretty good value. Um, but where that's going to be remains to be seen. The other part of it, too, is, you know, I'm, I'm sure PLD is looking 8 by 8 8 by 9 8 by 10 something like wh- whatever it might be. <laughs> the dude's never come close to cracking 70 points in a season. Like, you take all of the other baggage that surrounds him right now, but then you throw in the fact that, yeah, all these tools, but no production with it. I mean, maybe it's just best if the Jets steer clear. They might be doing themselves a favor, and maybe PLD wanting out isn't the worst thing in the world there. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm just done with them. Cool. No more talking <laughs> about it then. Um, so let's move on quickly to, to Logan Stanley there. Um, I mean, again, I, the expectation is that You'd be pretty surprised if he's a part of this team next year. Yeah, hundred percent. And, and so then, what's what's the what do you think? What do you think his value is? I'd be looking at it like a reclamation project project for another reclamation. Okay. Yeah, like like a sort of. I I really like the idea of maybe like a pull Yarvi trade before I am mean, before he obviously got traded, like something straight up like that, or even. And you just look at some teams. Like I I don't know any exact names off the top of my head, but there's always. Guys Washington who, apparently was interested. Oh yeah, and, and they they have a couple guys who are on the cusp of playing in the NHL that aren't quite, quite there. Maybe even an Abe guy like a Nick Abe Kubel, a guy who brings a lot of tenacity in that bottom six. Discipline questions, but like, yes. and th- then you look at the some. There's some guys like Connor McMichael who was, had a pretty decent year in Washington. That might be a little bit too much asking from the Winnipeg side, but. You look at guys like that, like guys who who are also in the same position at kind of end of the first round picks, guys who haven't really clicked with their team and try and get something that's six and see if you hit lightning in the bottle. Like look, You look at the Flyers with Owen Tippett and the guy who a lot of teams probably wrote off thinking that he's your he's boy, the, your boy Tolvin in, in Seattle now. Yeah, exactly. He's 40 goals and <laughs> coming soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, yeah. You know, that, that's, I didn't, I, I hadn't even really thought of that. I was just thinking like draft pick, but. I mean that's that's probably the best way to go if you're the Jets. Um, but I like I won like draft pick wise like you might be able to get a second for him. 
which oh, sounds, you get a second. Yeah, you, you it sounds that. wild, but like I, I, I think there's going to be enough teams that just see six foot seven and nothing else, and that's going to be enough to give up a pick. Um, so I mean, yeah, pick or reclamation pro. I, I would like to go your route there for sure. Um, I'll, yeah, I'd be intrigued to see just what what the value is going to be for a guy like that. Um, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of games either, so you know, I we'll see. There's the fact that there was interest last year, though. I think is a little bit optimistic and bodes well for the Jets to maybe get something a little more, more than they might have anticipated in return. But I would imagine if it is a reclamation guy, um, it's going to be somebody up front because I, I, this team needs to, <laughs> they might need to subtract a guy or two from the back end as well. Um, but I think you're looking to shoot a little bit higher if a D man is coming in, knowing that you have maybe Hanela, but you have some of these other, I, I mean, Declan Chisholm's ready right now. Kevin Bianco was great last year. <laughs> like that, that's a, that's a solid depth guy. There's Bianca a few Bianca more guys down in the moose. Yeah, like there's a few more guys down there in the moose that can come in and step up right now. So, yeah, um, maybe somebody up front might be the best spot that the Jets go in that regard. But yeah, we're both in agreement here that the two guys on Sarah Valley's trade bait board, Dubois and Stanley, are going to be gone this upcoming season is that the only change and is that enough well we'll just wait a little bit till we get closer to the draft lottery free agency all that stuff there uh plenty of time for things to change uh we'll see where this goes for the winnipeg jets um i guess one little bit of news quickly the lone positive for the weekend here in winnipeg Outside of the Moose doing good and good on Jansen Harkins getting that OT goal to even up the series against Milwaukee, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. But even better, the Winnipeg Jets able to get a recent draft pick on board. Nikita Chabrikov, part of the team now, signs that three-year entry-level deal. And he, he can play for the Moose right now. So that's going to be interesting to see what he's able to do. Didn't get a ton of ice time like most young Russians in the KHL. But there is a lot of potential with this kid to be a bit of a diamond in the rough. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his play. And even you look at this year, like, so he's on the AHL tryout. So this this year doesn't even count towards his contract. Right, yeah. His contract starts next year. So it's just nice to get those a couple North American games in if he does get some ice time. But yeah, he's got some real dynamic playmaking ability. And if he can adjust to the smaller ice here in North America, I, I think the Jets have a pretty good player in 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 Chubikov for sure. Yeah, they drafted a couple good. I think it was the same draft. It yeah, was Chubikov and Rashevsky, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they might they might have something in both of those guys. And even then though, you know, you look at Chubikov's numbers and, you know, didn't get much of a chance at the KHL, but tore it up everywhere else that he played. Um so I think yeah, there's there's some reason for optimism that he can be a player maybe a year or two down the road. But I mean, the guy that we're most excited about and who's having himself just a whale of a time out there in Seattle, like the rest of the Thunderbirds. Uh, but how about Brad Lambert just continuing to dominate? And Seattle looks like a legendary CHL team at this point. Ah, I mean, maybe the Winnipeg Ice could pull it off, but man, oh man, Seattle is just on a different level right now. And um, a, a big part of that is Brad Lambert, who's now got... <laughs> 19 points in eight playoff games. 16 assists. That's the other thing. It's not like he's, good. He's, he's just setting up people. He's not even like really taking, like he's still involving everyone in the play. And that was like, well, that's one of the concerns, right? With his plays that sometimes he tries to do things too much by himself. 
So even just to see those those high assist numbers, I think that's a that's a positive step in his game. Right now, both Winnipeg and Seattle up 2-0 in their conference finals. That would be juicy. <laughs> we get to see a Winnipeg team go deep in the playoffs. That's fun. But that would be nice to have Brad Lambert in Seattle go up against Winnipeg. Um, Zach Benson trying to be a top five pick himself. Uh, that, yeah, that would be that, yeah, get get down and, and get those games in person. That's going to be a hot ticket. I wouldn't mind catching a couple of those as well. Um, but we'll see where it's going there. At least, you know, a little sliver of positivity. The ice are doing good. The moose are winning. And a couple young Jets prospects are having themselves a nice postseason and finding themselves in Winnipeg. So um, we'll try to take any positivity that we can nowadays. Uh, but that's where we'll wrap up the episode here. Bit of a lengthy one, but uh, yeah, not, not really surprising after what we saw took place over the weekend there. Uh, but we'll see what happens over the next uh, several weeks here and days as we continue to wind down um, through the playoffs and um, into the fun time, the offseason. I guess just quickly, Tyson. Oh, you're moving. If you could sit down here. Uh, the Devils did win, right? We were kind of the – they were – just want to make sure I don't blow this one, right? The Devils. Yes, they did. Oh, boy. Um, that was my – oh, no, I picked the Jets like an idiot. I went six for eight, which is pretty good because my Panthers found a way to pull it off there. <laughs> I don't know if your – I don't know if your bracket was six for eight, but um, – I got – so I would have gotten Bruins wrong. I mean, I, I, I technically – Did you pick Tampa? Pick, I didn't pick – no, I picked Toronto. I, I picked Toronto Oilers final. But I, I didn't technically pick the Kraken, but I did oh, say I did say that they were going to make it a tough series, and I said seven game series. But I'll, I'll take the L that on that one, and I do believe I picked the Islanders to beat the Hurricanes like an idiot. Yeah, that's a bad. Yeah, nah, whatever. <laughs> we all make mistakes. I did pick Florida and Toronto though, so I mean I, I will say that. Uh, so we both went six for eight, which is pretty solid. Um, we'll say six for eight. <laughs> a- anything changed for you? In terms of your cup final pick, I guess I just realized that the Rangers were mine. So, um, yeah, I might have to change that one up a little bit. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be Toronto, New Jersey in the East. And out West, I, I mean, Dallas was great. Uh, Seattle's played amazing, right? I might go Edmonton, Seattle in the West. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going to stick with mine. I, I got Dallas, Edmonton Conference Finals, and then Devils versus the Leafs in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. All right. We'll see what happens there. Stay tuned. Round two officially underway starting either Tuesday or Wednesday night, but we'll get into it by the time we get back to our next episode at the end of the week here. But that'll do it for us. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, stopping by once again. We'll get back at it at the end of the week, Friday morning, breaking down any other Jets news that pops up. And we'll continue our look at the upcoming offseason for the club. Any other moves that should or will be made, all that stuff and whatever else comes out in the rest of the hockey world. Until then, though, enjoy the rest of your work week, everybody. Have a good one. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you guys Friday morning. Peace.